Hello and welcome to the Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today on our show, we've got an amazing guest as always. He has 20 plus years helping couples bond, co-create, have great sex, thrive, and live happily ever after. His work has garnered mentions in Business Insider, Playboy, Cosmos, Tim Ferriss's four-hour series, and elsewhere. Welcome to the show, Ken Blackman. How are you doing today? Man, it's good to be here. And I love I love your introduction. I am definitely the introverted entrepreneur who's very interested in brain stuff. So nice. I, I, I'm imagining we'll have a great conversation. Oh, this is going to be great. And before we dive into, well, the details of brain, pleasure, and sex, let's explore how and why you've become an expert in sex intimacy and coupledom. Uh, what, what, what's kind of led you to this place that you're at now? Yeah, well, I needed work myself. So <laughs> 23, 24 years ago, I was a software engineer. I was okay. successful. But I was also nerdy and didn't get along with the opposite sex. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't skilled in the, in the arena of intimacy or just like even relating with, with, with women. Um, and I, I, I was kind of a walking textbook of all the ways you can be wrong. I managed to be misogynistic and also have nice guy syndrome at the same time. Wow. Um, I would, and then occasionally when I was in relate, when I got into a relationship with someone, I was like codependent and needy and whiny and bad in bed and had terrible communication skills and just all the ways that you can be wrong. So I needed help. And as I learned, you know, like I studied, I had mentors, I read books, I took classes. I even lived in a sex commune for a while. What? Um, and at, Yeah. And as I started to discover like what it really means to be in intimate connection with another human being, like what, what, what that really can mean in terms of just deep, deeply connected with another human being and partnership and friendship and romance and sex. Uh, it was so transformative for me that I was like, Oh, this is the work I want to do with other people. And so I left my career in software, um, kind of studied with, with some of my mentors and just started learning and, and studying and, and eventually teaching full-time. And I've been doing that for the last 24 years full-time as my, as my day gig. And wow. uh, I'm, so yeah, if I, I if I don't correct me, if I get this wrong, so kind of the, the first kind of part of this was, uh, yeah, you were geeky, uh, couldn't find people to have sex with and, did you kind of fall into the pickup artist realm and then go more into coupledom? Like, uh, kind of was the that is, progression there? Yeah, that's a great question. I I did not go into the pickup world. I recog I looked at it, I sniffed it out enough to know that it didn't feel like the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, and what's what's funny is that years and years later, like over fifteen years later. When I was a teacher and and a, and a coach, I had a lot of pickup guys come to me, and the the paradoxical thing is that they would come to me and they would say, "I 
have I'm successful by the measures of what pickups, the goals of pickup. Like it became a thing where you you could actually succeed in what the goal was, which is to get a hot chick in bed, right? That's right. the goal. Yeah. And they were all saying, we we know, know how to do that, but we don't, you know, there's something missing. And so mm. as they start to learn what else is possible, they're like, oh, this is actually the thing that we were hungry for the whole time. And that's that's kind of something that that has carried with me in all the work that I do, especially with men, is so often we ourselves are mistaken about what it is that we're actually hungry for. And we seek okay. it in sex until we get to a place where we're having a lot of sex and, and we realize, oh, that that's a stand-in for the thing that we're actually hungry for, you know? So right. So what do you think yeah. kind of that cross or maybe confusion people have between sex and then actually being intimate? Yeah. Well, I know that I, as a young, young kid and as a young man growing up, like all of the media, everything that I was exposed to told me that, um, the way to be to the way to get closeness and intimacy, like humans are connection machines. We are right. designed to be connected. You know, if we like, there's the you know, if you take a baby and you give it all its basic needs, but you deprive it of human connection, it will get sick and die because right. its its physiology gets dysregulated and eventually the, it'll get sick and die. So we we need a connection as a nutrient, like it's important. We regulate each other's nervous systems. Um, we feel sane when we're connected to other people, like it's, it's important. Um, I, as, as a young man, was kind of indoctrinated into this idea that I'm going to get all of my intimacy and connection from a woman. Right. Um, I wasn't, especially my generation, we were just moving out of the toxic masculinity and the top, the toxic, you know, um, like caricature of what it means of, of relationships of the 1950s, right? In the 1950s, mm-hmm. there was a television show, a television show called Father Knows Best, right? So he's the, he's the breadwinner. Like there was this model and we could see that model kind of implode. And so in the 60s and 70s, when I was growing up, we were told... I like I subtly learned to distrust men. So I had I had friends growing up, but as an adult, I wasn't taught to be close to men. Uh, so all of my hunger is pointed towards women and all of it is going to be through the channel of sex. And so women became this caricature, not a real even human being, this right. caricature of a woman who's attractive. She loves me. She wants to have a bunch of sex with me. And, um, and, you know, is very gung ho. And like, I just saw women through this lens of, of a caricature of what a woman is rather than, Hey, there's another human being here with a full range of all these things. So, um, I think that like, I, um, had to I had to dismantle my belief of this this caricature that was gonna that was gonna feed me and part of part of how that got dismantled is 
I had a ton of that. I had I had as much of more of that than I than I could imagine. And then I started to realize, oh, that's actually not the thing. And so I actually started to connect human to human with men and with women and realized, oh, this is actually something I've been wanting and needing that I was trying to get through the channel of sex, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Now, yeah. so much of this too, um, especially with men, is uh, these feelings of loneliness, uh, not being yes. connected. And it's just yes. rampant in men. It is kind of that default emotion that creeps up with us. But it's also yes. like the most anti-seductive emotion for women. So how do <laughs> yes. these young men go or older men go from loneliness where they repulse women away to actually being yeah. able to connect and build a relationship then? How do they get away from that loneliness? Yeah, and you're describing me, and I think it's worse. It's it's only gotten worse, right? So I think it's with with um, social media now, and with all our, more of our lives on online and electronic. That it's even worse now, and it's a it's a beautiful question. Um, I had to start with myself and start to like provide for myself some of the things that I was, that I had assigned to other people. So, mm. um, I worked, I, I had to shift my, my self identity. Um, I had to work on my self confidence. Do I like myself? Do I look in the mirror and like myself? Let's, I had to shift to certain... that one uh, before we go on okay. because yeah, self confidence is a word always thrown out there. And a lot of <laughs> A lot of people out there, uh, they think they're more confident than they are, or they know they're not confident at all. Um, there's always yeah. kind of this this range there. That, uh, um, but the biggest thing people struggle with is, okay, well, how do how do they actually build that? How do they develop yeah. self confidence? Um, uh, because yeah. obviously, you have to have self before you you have have. Uh, pairing with, with another person and intimacy and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, let's also acknowledge while we're here that there are levels of self-confidence, right? There's, there's cocky, arrogant, something to prove confidence. So I want to actually put a little nuance on what I mean when I say confidence. So Mm -hmm. because I'm confident, because I'm confident, then we'll, we'll circle back to how did, how does one get there? So because I'm confident, um, I, I can apologize to someone without feeling embarrassed or like my ego got hit. Right. Because I'm confident, I can let someone else have the center stage and support them mm-hmm. because I'm confident um, I can say, you know what? I was wrong and not feel any, like there's this feeling of like, number one, I have nothing to prove because I know who I am. I just have a, a solid, relaxed sense of who I am um, that doesn't have a lot of ego attached to it. So um, th- that's kind of the flavor of confidence that I'm talking about, where I just know myself really well. I know what I'm really good at. And especially with women, I got to a place where I stopped trying to convince 
anyone like if you if you if you like i i have gotten to a place where i like myself mm-hmm. i've gotten to a place where i know what i have to offer as a man i feel good about it if you're not choosing in I get it and I'm fine with that. Like I'm not going to try and I have nothing to prove basically. Now, right. mind you on a daily basis, there's still times when that need to prove or that need to convince or to, you know, comes out, but that's what I mean by confidence. Now, how did I get there? Are you ready to take your brain health to a brand new higher level than ever before? Then please check out the hardy brain .ca and inquire about our virtual brain health intensive programs. Now, how did I get there? Um, I had to look at the ways that um, I didn't like myself and start to do things that I can look myself in the mirror and feel good about. So how am I behaving when no one is looking but me? Mm-hmm. That's, that's one thing. Then there's like all the ways that I'm putting it on women to validate me, to make me feel good about myself. Like if a woman is in love with me, oh my God, I feel so good about myself. And when a woman, when I don't have a woman on my, on my arm or when a woman disapproves of me or when a woman is, has been with me and breaks up with me, oh my God, my self-esteem goes down. So I had to look at why I'm putting so much weight in a woman's approval of me as a proxy for my, for my feelings about myself and start to look at my childhood and how that developed, why I developed those kinds of, uh, dependencies and start to dismantle them. Right. So that I, I can slowly gradually start to own my own sense of who I am and my own like self-sourced sense of my rightness, my, my inherent goodness, my ability to like myself, like to not um, give that job to someone else to convince me that I'm, that I'm a good person. Because you can get into a cycle where you hate yourself so much that you, you finally, 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 this is, I, I did this and I have clients who do this. You finally, finally, finally get with a woman who is interested in you, wants to be with you, and you keep selling them your own doubt and your own self-hatred, hoping they'll convince you otherwise. Like you argue against yourself, hoping that they'll argue in your favor because maybe they did it once. They gave you a pep talk, but now like it's a battle and you're eventually going to win and they're going to just, you know, let you go and you're going to, then you're going to be upset because they failed to convince you of your own right. So I had to dismantle all of that and start to really own how I feel about myself. Then I became a lot more attractive to women because I wasn't, there was a lot of jobs I I wasn't assigning to them. I could just actually hang out with them and enjoy their company. Like literally I have no agenda. I, I, I like you. I like hanging out with you. We can chat, we can flirt with no, with no itinerary, no goal. And I became a lot more fun to hang out with for women. Does that make Uh, sense? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now that that's, that's pretty impactful there. So, uh, yeah, one of the the things you always say is uh, a couple should be a powerful woman 
and a confident man. Mm. Uh, how does that actually yeah. go against most of the norms we see, though? <laughs> Isn't one yeah. usually more dominant than the other? And uh, I, usually one yeah. will be more nagging or more uh, kind of in your face or... Um, yeah, or yeah. that toxic masculinity where they put the put their their other down. Uh, yeah, how is this completely different than than uh, what we're kind of used to seeing in couples that have been in a relationship for such a long time that one will always talk and one will always ignore? I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are really good questions. So those are like the, the, those are hour long conversations. Each one of the things you mentioned. So we'll just take one of them and look at it. So let's talk about this concept of powerful woman, confident man. So I've been because I'm actually writing an article on this very subject right now. So great. <laughs> uh, let's say let's say a couple of things. So according to the model of polarity, masculine, feminine, you know, philosophy. Uh, the man, according to his philosophy, the man is going to be the provider and the protector, provider, protector, and the lover. Also, according to this philosophy, like I read this thing from David Data where he says, just know your woman actually doesn't want you to be, to make her the most important thing. She actually wants you to make your purpose the most important thing. <laughs> If you make her the most important thing, you know, above and beyond your purpose, you're actually doing her a disservice and she's going to end up disliking you and all this stuff. So, so that's mm. the world of, of how, of that. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of people who, who fit into that, but, but let's look at it. So from the point of view of Maslow's hierarchy, so the woman, in order to be attractive, she needs protection and providing. So at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, her safety, her basic needs are need to get met. Right. So she is down here at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. And you as a man can help provide for her and protect her so that she's not, she's no longer in danger and she's no longer struggling to provide for her, for her own needs. Then she can move into the third layer of Maslow, which is love and connection and belonging. Great. Now the man. So this thing about purpose, right? You have to be in your purpose. So he's living at the high end of Maslow's hierarchy. He's in his purpose. He's, he's, Above self-esteem, he's in self-actualization. He works his way down Maslow's hierarchy to grab her and bring her up into love and connection, right? From, right. from safety, basic needs to love and connection. But then he has to leave her there and make his way back up to higher purpose, right? So we as men, you know, according to this model, we get to live at the higher end of Maslow's hierarchy and women are stuck down here at the, at the basics. Well, her, her role is to be in the love and connection and belonging layer of Maslow's hierarchy. We come down and we visit, we make sure she's not dropping below, and then we go back up into our purpose and our higher, our higher thing. So do you see this, this, 
here's the men on Maslow's hierarchy. Here's the women on Maslow's hierarchy. Do you see the picture that we're drawing of, of, of how small women have to be? Right. So now would you so say that I flipped in modern society that men are now kind of in the bottom of it and women are at the pinnacle? No, I think that, you know, there are relationships, there are, there are relationships where it's, it's imbalanced like that, mm -hmm. but oh my God, the number of women that I've encountered over the decades, like how many women I've encountered who are successful, they're confident, they're fucking brilliant, right. they're intelligent, they're charming, they're fun to be with, they're confident, they're, they, they have a healthy sexual libido, all these things that are make them so attractive and yet they feel like they're too high up on like they're they they have too much good stuff and they're threatening to men because they're not they're not broken they don't need right. to be saved they don't need to be protected so how like they're either they're according to this theory their best opportunity is to find a man who's living really low on Maslow's hierarchy and save him like she's in the quote unquote masculine role, which I don't believe like there is an right. amazing, amazing, fantastic relationship to have with this woman. If you just step out of this whole, um, this whole, uh, uh, paradigm and meet her, like she's, she, she has all these amazing, well, she's a fucking amazing woman. If you can, Get the confidence to not need to be the provider protector, but there's something else that you offer her as a man that is different from that. Right. To have the confidence, to have the intuition to meet her, and to just actually meet her as two equals who are going to be in the world and like play. Like you're you're the person that I want to do life with, and so if you step out of uh, of the masculine feminine hierarchy and meet her as as equals there's an amazing relationship to be had and there's so many women out there who uh are available they're fantastic and they're not being met because they they don't fit the, the masculine feminine thing and right. men are where men should rise to the occasion of meeting her they feel threatened by her they feel intimidated by her they don't know how to relate with her you know, the, like those are the skills that we as men have to have to develop a different set of skills in order to have a great relationship with this powerful woman. So you just and so that's where this idea of basically what I observed when I went back and, and took my chiropractic. Uh, so hmm. the women in the program, uh, they, they kind of hovered around in small little groups and that became their thing. And, uh, what I observed, though, was the ones that came in with a boyfriend and uh, kind of oh, roughly in, a year into the program when they're developing, once again, themselves, they're, they're learning, they're, they're kicking butt. And almost in these packs, they would get rid of their boyfriend almost automatically. Yeah. Like it seemed like yeah. they were improving themselves and their man wasn't able to, to keep up with them, even though they that is probably moved together. He sacrificed the job he was with, but there was something different about her as she developed more skills. 
Uh, can you kind mm -hmm. of speak to that, how when women develop yeah. and how men are supposed to keep these skills or develop them with their women at the same time? Yeah. This is a beautiful question. I love this question because what you're describing is super common. So he, so here it is. He loves her. He's, he's adoring of her. He lo loves like supporting her and taking care of her. He's her biggest fan. And, you know, like all the places where she struggles, he's there for her and supporting her until she starts to up level and starts to go become like she becomes, she moves up from those lower levels of struggle and Maslow's hierarchy and starts to move up the level. And all of a sudden he doesn't know how to relate with her. He doesn't know how to relate with her. Mm -hmm. and, um, so he, what, what we as men need to do is we need to shift our understanding of what our value to a woman like that is. It's not going to be that we're protecting them. It's not going to be that we're, maybe we're providing for them, but really at those higher levels, it's really like one person makes money. The other person makes money. They both make money. One person makes more or less. Like you're kind of pooling, like it, it kind of matters less who, who the provider is, you know? Right. Although so those things aren't, aren't your value. What your value is, is what women could use so much of is you look at this woman and, and you remind her of her rightness because women, you know, in a way that like we men struggle, I'm not going to say that we don't struggle, mm -hmm. but women live in an environment where they are judged all the time. And right. they're told that they're wrong, like it is impossible for them to get it right. So uh, something valuable you can do to a woman is remind her of her own rightness. It, when, she's, when she's trying to figure out what to do to say, I trust you actually to make, to, like, I think whatever you choose, whatever you think is right, is going to be the right thing. And you see who she is and wh however she shows up, and you remind her of, of her rightness. That is one thing that we as men could do that is extremely valuable. Um, women, uh, we, another thing is we can put more attention on them in the bedroom. So, you know, there's a classic like men want more sex, women want better sex. And uh, uh. often, you know, often um, like there'll be women will have gotten to the place where they're kind of done. Like they, they don't seem to even want sex, but really if the, if the sex was good for them, they would want it. And so the more you can actually figure out what feels good to her body and put your attention on that. Like we are, we are spoiled in the bedroom in a way that we're not even conscious of. And often with the guy, I'll say you, you're going to, you're going to need to, I have bad news and good news. The bad news is you're going to have to put 10 times more attention on her pleasure and her body than what you're doing currently. That's the bad news. The good news is the sex that you're having right now is mediocre. And the sex that you will be having once she's actually, her body is actually being pleasured, genuinely pleasured in the bedroom. The sex that's going to start coming out of that is going to be so much better than the sex that you're having now, that is once you start to experience that, you're going to be 
very dedicated to her pleasure because you're going to discover the degree to which her pleasure is actually the key to, to your pleasure in the bedroom. So right. that's something you could do better. That's, that's um, a big, big, big thing to say. And uh, yeah, men have been accused of that. And usually kind of the example of foreplay comes up. And uh, yeah. yeah, biology is biology, though. So pleasure and pain is biology. And of course, sex <laughs> is too. And uh, yeah. one thing that I've kind of realized in these primitive parts of the brain is you hear about the, the feed, fight, freeze, and fuck part of the brain, which is dopaminergic. It's that alertness part. Uh, and then you hear of the rest, digest, and reproduce part of the brain. And these are both mm -hmm. brainstem functions, and that's more serotonergic type, type areas. And... Uh, mm -hmm. Well, you think about it. Yeah, that dopaminergic, that big rush, that's like your exciting sex, like rough and, and anything in that nature type thing. Yeah. And men are kind of more drawn there and stereotyping a bit. And then with the rest, digest and reproduce. Um, well, you think about it, like the analogy comes with food and we've all seen the food channel, food porn. Um, and yeah. well, with this part of the brain, I use the analogy that if, yeah, you close your eyes and you think of this delicious seafood dish in front of you as you squeeze this lemon on it, even just talking about it, you start to salivate and the juices start to flow. And well, that's kind of how um, I think in some cases we can kind of describe that other part of sex to, and to men is that, yeah, there is this more relaxing, like that morning type sex that we have, that, that slow down one. Um, what analogies would you use though, kind of to, to get men to think more of, of kind of this slower, more in depth, more intimate uh, way of having sex and pleasing yeah. their woman? Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly, I use the same analogy that you do. So probably the most basic at like living creature functions are what? Breathing, right? eating, and reproduction. Those yeah. are like super foundational life form, you know, like throughout the animal kingdom. So um, with breathing, there's not a lot of ways to make it fun or interesting, you know, unless you're, unless you're a meditator and you really study breathing, but there's not a lot of, of, of uh, variety there. But with eating, we know like there, the difference between McDonald's and, and a good, and a, a, a multi-course meal at say the French laundry in Northern California, like world's different. Like there's gourmet food to be had that is just, it is an experience that you talk about for months, right? And there's a whole range. Right. And sex is more like food in that regard than it is like eating. And, and we, we, don't, we don't think about gourmet sex. So here's what I tell, this is like, I tell couples, like, so mostly I work with, with uh, couples who are in a committed relationship and they're looking at how their relationship can go from good to great, right? That's, that's my jam. So here's the analogy I get. I give them. Let's say hypothetically that you 
Um, you guys are going to cook a meal together and cook a meal and eat together a couple times a week. And it's no big deal, you know, like you're just going to experiment with it. And so this is something you do on a regular basis. You start to try different, different cuisines. You say, oh, you know what? I just got this new, this new kitchen tool that's going to uplevel our blend, our blending, or I just got this new knife, or here's an herb that I've been wanting to try out, or here's a, a recipe. This recipe we've been using, it's really good, but I'm going to start to tweak it. So little by little, like <clears throat> you start to learn what I like and what you like. You start to create meals that give me everything I like and give you everything you like. I like we we have different diets, which men and women have very different genitals. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, what else happens? You start to get your rapport in in the kitchen. Like, oh, I'm really I'm a really good sous chef to you when you're cooking this meal. But when it comes to steak, I got the steak, you got the asparagus. Like you develop that dance in the you develop your rapport. There's a lot of wordless communication. You you learn to savor the meal more, you know, you, you eat it and you're talking about what you're experiencing and it just gets better and better. And so over the years, you're now cooking at a restaurant level. Like you guys can create a meal for yourselves and maybe for guests that come over, it's better than what you can get in a restaurant. How did you get there? You didn't, there was no athleticism. It wasn't actually that hard. You just on a daily basis, did this thing together. You talked about it. You, you know, it was kind of effortless. It was just doing what you would be doing anyway. <clears throat> and sex can work that way also. Like your sex life in a coupled relationship can get better over time. It can be better five years from now than it is now. It can be better than like you stop looking for someone outside because the sex we got at home, like the sex that we're having in the bedroom, is better than what we know we can find out there. So that's kind of the analogy that I give. Right. And yeah, there's the analogy out there, never trust a skinny shelf. <laughs> and well, uh, if it's a pastry chef, uh, how many uh, cupcakes have you, you helped out here? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Uh, no, you've been at this, this, uh, oh, you said 20 plus years and, uh, you have to still be learning things about how to, to be helping people in relationships. Uh, what are some of the, the major kind of hurdles you think people are facing now that we haven't discussed already? Yeah. Um, you know, there are some basic things that I see. One, one is the one that we talked about, which is if things aren't going in the bedroom, it could be that like he's hoping for more of it, but she wants it to be better. And if he focuses on helping it be better, then things start to flow. Um, another one is um, we love each other, but we wonder if we're compatible. Um, like there's compatibility issues. I have a theory about this. I would rather um, I would rather coach a couple that has compatibility issues, but that loves each other than to co coach a couple that like checks all the boxes and they're like, they see, seem perfect for each other, but the spark isn't there. They just don't seem to be in love. That's actually harder to coach. So wow. I think that 
um, like when couples are struggling, it isn't going to be how bad the problem is that causes them to break up. It's going to be that the, the good in the relationship isn't good enough to be worth it. That's actually what ends up breaking them up. Not that the bad is so bad, but I look at what is the good in the relationship? Like what, what do you love about this person? What, what has you want to be in this relationship? What's the good? And if we can start to actually work on increasing the good so that you have skin in the game, you know, right. then the problems become resolvable. That's, that is my, my basic experience. Wow. So like, I, I've heard similar theories on that, that, uh, yeah, I've heard that a, a couple that breaks up argues about the same amount as a couple that stays together. Um, yeah, I think that's what's true. not looked at is how much seduction or kind of good things that are in the relationship as well. And you just yeah. echoed that. Um, what are yeah. kind of a few takeaways then if, uh, people were to work with you that, uh, that you could help them out with, uh, uh, what are kind of the, the personality struggles or the things that you're seeing most in, yeah. in your coaching practice? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I have a pretty broad range. Um, there are people who everything from they're on the brink of breakup, they don't want to break up, but they just don't know how to actually make it work all the way to, you know what, we're doing really well, but we just, we want to explore to see how our relationship could be even better. We don't, there, we don't know how the relationship could be better, but you know, I, I get couples who say, Hey, whatever you did to our friends over here, like they, uh, all they, they're, they look completely different than they did six months ago. Whatever you did to them, we want you to do, to, to do for us. So, right. Yeah. You know, any really any couple that wants to up level their relationship and really start to craft and construct a relationship that's kind of bespoke like created for them that is just like perfect for for the two of them that that i i'm i'm the guy to talk to right and then where would people find you then that that need yeah. to and and want to and should work yeah. with you so I'll give you two. One is one is uh, KenBlackman.com. It's that simple. Okay, great. Um, but also I will give you, so that you can put it in the notes, a link to my blog. Because even if we don't work together, you can get a lot from just reading my blog. There's a, I, I send my clients to read articles in my blog. Like There's so much rich information in there. So I'll give you a link to that too. It's on Medium. It's, you, you can search for me on Medium or I'll give you the link. Okay, it. perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's invaluable for people to look at. And uh, this is such a great topic that obviously so much of it, as you said, right after breathing and eating is about our intimacy and, uh, and finding those relationships. So I applaud the work you do. And it is absolutely mm -hmm. amazing that the way you're helping people out. And uh, obviously, yeah, we want to see that statistic of divorce rates go down, but more importantly, people being happy in their relationships and you're providing that. And uh, for everyone tuning in, definitely check out Ken Blackman 
And stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care.